0: Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett.
1: Hey, folks, you're in for a treat. Our guest today is one of the world's top leadership experts. Doug Barron also hosts Leadership and Loyalty on C-Suite Radio, named Apple Podcast number one podcast for Fortune 500 executives, and Inc. Magazine calls it the number one podcast to make you a better leader. Doug Barron has also written several best-selling books, has spoken on stages all over the world, and we have them on our stage today. Doug, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure and honor, mate. I appreciate yeah. being here.
1: It is. It's good to have you. Hail all the way from Canada today and be with us and share this very special time. We thank you very much for that. Now, you say one single question drives your entire life's work. And the question is, why do people do what they do, even when what they do doesn't make sense? It's a big question. What have you learned?
2: What I've learned is that each of us, even though we may not know it, has what we call an emotional source code. Now, if you think about your computer and having a source code in your computer, you can fix the apps. You can do all those things. But if the source code is off, it's going to keep failing. It's going to keep having problems. And each of us has our own subjective emotional source code. And that source code allows us to do things that seem incredibly rational at the time. And then everybody else is looking and going, what happened to Jeff? Has he lost his marbles? What happened to Dove? Is he, is he going crazy? And we might even look back ourselves two minutes later and go, why did I do that?
1: That happens a lot. I know that I do find myself crazy and I've lost my marbles, but you know, you also say that your psychology is your physiology. What do you mean by that? How are those connected?
2: So the example I give is that if you look at someone like Jeff Hazlett or Dove Barron, we tend to have these kinds of faces that don't initially look particularly friendly faces. These are faces that, you know, look at mine. I have what I call resting a-hole face, right? (laughs) And it's a face that looks aggressive, but I'm not an aggressive human being at all. So I'm certainly assertive, but that's different. And what it is is that whatever has gone on in our lives has changed the physiology of our face. The muscles in our face become structured by our psychology. So when you're seeing someone, you're actually seeing their history on their face. Now, it doesn't always play out exactly as, as you would think. As an example, my wife who is the most warm, loving, kind person you could possibly meet. Everybody talks about her being so nurturant. She's as tough as nails, but people don't know that about her because she's very naturally smiley and motherly. And that's because where she grew up, her father was a minister. They were a family of religion, and they were told you have to smile and present. So that became wired onto her face. So your psychology becomes your physiology.
1: Yeah, you can't judge a book by a cover. I serve as a vice chairman for an online gun retailer. We have a lot of vets. And some of these vets that I know, I mean, they look like they're tough as nails, but they're real big teddy bears. And we we Absolutely. got one guy who runs our social media. He's got tats everywhere, big beard, rough and tumble. But that guy, every time I see him, he hugs me. He breaks my ribs. He hugs me yeah. so much. So right. I think it's a good lesson to not judge that. Now, a big part of your leadership practices deal with emotional source code. Let's talk about that.
2: Well, as I said, the emotional source code is the code, the psychological code that is inlaid in each of us, and, it's, and it allows us to see things in a certain way. So the thing about it is understanding our emotional source code is how we get manipulated because there is a subjective emotional source code that's yours, mine. It's very personal. Then there's a collective one that belongs to your family and belongs to your community, and there's even national ones. So as an example, let's think, think about it at a greater level, because as you know, I advise a lot of people who are doing a lot of powerful things. So if you look at the American emotional source code, you might guess if you're an American that the American source code is freedom. It's freedom. It's the key word. So it always comes down to one word. So if you are going to manipulate the American audience as a generality politically, that's your key word to use. If you sell freedom or they're removing our freedom, you can get people to do things. That is the American source code. That's how we get manipulated by tapping into the source code. The British one, for instance, this is interesting. The British one is called superior. If you want to manipulate the British audience, you just tell them they're superior. If you want to manipulate the American audience, you tell them they're taking away our freedom or we're doing this for freedom. And when we tap into these source codes collectively... For our organization, for our business, or for ourselves, we can be manipulated. What is it for Canada? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's but but it but it is courtesy. It, it, yeah, we are, we're very much the North American Switzerland. It's very much about cur- to courtesy. It's about not offending, right? So it's it's courtesy.
1: I just love that mentality. In fact, I joke and men- mention it a couple of times, probably on the show. I once saw a poster of. Canadians riot. Yeah. And, were, and and I thought, what is that? So I clicked on it. It was a woman holding a sign and says, we're very, 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 very sorry. Standing by herself, all by herself. We apologize. Exactly. So that's it yeah. right there. Hey, Doug, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back after this message.
0: C-Suite Radio.
1: We're talking with Doug Barron, an international leader, a podcaster right here on C-Suite Radio. And of course, has written several best-selling books and spoken on stages all over the world. And we're so glad to have him be a part of this and be a part of the C-Suite Network. Doug, I want to ask you a kind of a personal question. Being a thought leader, do you ever get tired of doing it? Do you ever get tired sometimes? I mean, because so many people bring you problems. So many people bring you all this baggage. And they're looking for some kind of emotional, motivational, inspirational, sometimes, you know, monetization of some kind. Do you ever get tired of it?
2: No, I don't get tired of people coming to me at all. I love what I do. It's it's my purpose in my life. And my life is about, as I said, answering that question that we talked about at the beginning. But moreover, it's about creating a legacy that impacts the lives of the people whose name I will never know and who will never know my name. So it doesn't bother me at all. The tiring thing is the ask holes. and the ask holes are the people who ask, but don't actually want to know. And they actually just want to keep asking questions. And that's fine. Just not for me. The th- more important question though, is why are you asking? It's not important to ask. Are you asked? So here's the thing as somebody, you know, in the position that I'm in, my question is always this, are you asking because you want to know, or you're asking because you want permission? Do you want permission because that's what most people are asking for. They want permission or validation. So you're making the right decision. Yes, that's good. Or what? Well, yeah, you should do that as opposed to here's my input. So when I give guidance, I always say, Do you really want to know? Because you may not like what I have to say, and that's okay.
1: Well, you've got right there behind you, you know, on your video screen behind you, stay curious. And a lot of these assholes, they're not curious. They just want to tell yeah. you what they want and they want affirmation. Of the things that they know to be true, which may not be true.
2: Yeah. For me, the central piece of my philosophy is curiosity. I want to make a distinction here for everybody to understand. There's a great deal of difference between asking questions and being curious. If you're asking questions, somebody's going to be right and somebody's going to be wrong. I'm not interested in that. Curiosity is about deepening the understanding. So I want to know, well, that's interesting. Now tell me why that is and tell me more about that. And let's go deeper. Curiosity is, is, tattooed in, into my soul. And by living in that place, I believe it's the answer to everything. In my communication, when I spoke at the UN about the radicalization of America, that's one of the things I talked about. They asked me, how did I de-radicalize people? And I said, I just was curious. I became curious, not looking at, are you right or are you wrong? But like, tell me why that is. And, oh, that's interesting. What more about that? Let me understand that. Let me see where that's coming from. That curiosity By the way, if your missus, your husband, your life partner is complaining that you're not paying enough attention, it's very simple. You're not curious enough. You've stopped being curious. When you start being curious, not asking questions, but be curious, you will find that your relationships open up, your business opens up, start asking your your team questions, not from a place of right or wrong, but from a point of deep curiosity. What is it that drives you, Charlie? Charlie? What is it that drives you, Susan? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that gets you out of bed on a crappy morning when you feel like terrible and it's beyond paying the rent? What is it that drives you? Get curious about yourself. Get curious about everybody else. It changes everything.
1: Is that your key emotional
2: code word? Yep. Yeah.
1: What do you think yeah. it would be for me? What do you think? W- you know me. What do you think
2: it would be? I haven't taken enough time to do it, but I, I will, but not now.
1: Okay. Is that a week be I on think- that spot. It, it, I for me it's got to be like scale, big, bold, something brass, something like that cuz that's that's the words I like to use and that's how I like to live my life. So I always help people try to do that. I think that would be my word. Well, let me ask so you about that.
2: The interesting thing oh, about yeah. uh, the interesting thing about your your emotional source code is it's got nothing to do with who you are now. Yeah. Right? It just plays out now, but it's mm-hmm. actually set back in your childhood. So curiosity for me came from the place that I was born into Absolute poverty-stricken environment where there was no opportunities, and I was deeply curious about why people keep doing the same things that don't work, and how do we change this? And I was deeply curious about how do I escape this environment. So it's it's usually something that is catalyzed in childhood.
1: Oh, well, I think that's a big part of my world was that thinking big and being bold. Well, let me ask you this question: You know, as a thought leader, and you've worked with so many companies and so many other thought leaders and people. How important is it to build a community in business and life right now? What should we do if we find yourself in relationships out of obligation, but not purpose?
2: So that's a great question, Jeff. Thank you for asking that, because here's the thing. In in one of my books called Fiercely Loyal, I talked about the three Cs, which were collaboration, curiosity, and and community. And I said that community was kind of last on that list. Now I'm saying, listen, if you're going to run a business, you don't want to run a business and create a community around it. Now you have to open a community and create a business around it. Mm. So the whole thing is that community must come first. The pandemic has brought that to the surface. It's brought how much people are. And now we're dealing with, of course, the great resignation of 45 million people have walked away from their work. And it's not just in America, and it's not just in England, and it's not just in Australia or first world countries, places like Vietnam, which is a... it's not a capitalist country, right? This is a communist country. China, people are walking away from their jobs because they're looking at the meaning of their life. This is a crisis in meaning. This is, And if you're not doing that in your organization, if you're not driving your organization by meaning, which is the work we do, if you're not doing that, your people are going to walk away. There's no reason for them to stay. They'll go, you know what? I don't need as much money. I can live on less. I'm not looking to climb the, the ladder as fast anymore. I want to spend quality time with my people. You've got to build communities that are meaning-based.
1: And you can't just build it and hope they come. You've got to be able to capture that behavior. If you capture that behavior, you'll be very successful.
2: Well, you've got to elicit the emotional source code of your group. If you elicit the emotional source code of your group, you're building a community they want. If you're putting in cappuccino machines and beanbags, they don't care. If that's not what they care about, they don't care. So you've just spent money on things they don't care about, and nobody's showing up in that room maybe what they care about is vastly different. You have to elicit that. And the challenge is, of course, that usually takes somebody in the outside because there's a power differential and people are not usually telling 100% of the truth to the person who can write their check. So it's like, yeah, that's why somebody on the outside always does better at it.
1: You talk about meaning. you're also big into neuroscience and talk about becoming a whole brain leader. Yeah. What do you mean by that and how can you do it?
2: It's a great question. So the thing about it is that we've had this old idea of of leadership and it's you know, it was that I'm the hero and I know all the answers. Yeah. And smart leaders understand that I don't know all the answers. And, you know, I know that you sur- you, Jeff, of surrounding yourself with the best of the best because so that you can stay on top, your organization can stay on top because you employ the best of the best. That is important. But in when looking at that, if we are looking at the two two parts of the brain, which are the rear part of the brain, which is more the limbic system. And it's fight or flight. And the front of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive decisions, we need to bring the things together because the limbic system is not going away. The emotional part of the brain is far faster than the prefrontal cortex. So what do we have to do? We have to elicit the emotional drivers of ourselves, of our organization, and then make cognitive decisions based on that so that we're driving people forward. And we can do that through all kinds of great exercises that we can do for ourselves that we probably don't have time to get into right now, but we can do that to change ourselves and our thinking. But the key is a simple key. Stay curious, my friends, stay curious about everything, particularly about the things you think you know.
1: I love that. You keep coming back to curiosity, your keyword, your emotional code. I love it. Hey, listen, speaking of decision, I need to take a break. I'll be right back after this message.
0: C-Suite Radio.
1: Hey, we are back because we bring you all business with Jeffrey Izzett right here on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. I'm talking with my good friend and world-renowned thought leader, Dub Barron, who is host of Leadership and Loyalty right here on C-Suite Radio. If you don't know, he was named Apple's number one podcast for Fortune 500 executives, and Inc. Magazine calls him the number one podcast to make you a better leader. And we're learning all about leadership and all the things that you need to be putting into place. You're also known for your full Monty leadership. It's been a few years since I've seen that movie,
2: but do CEOs want to get naked? Um, It's well, it's not naked in the, uh, you can keep your clothes (laughs) on, please, please. I have to have lunch later. Uh, So no, it's not about that. that,
1: that. That's the truth with me. It would not help ratings (laughs) at this point.
2: All right. So what it means is it's about getting emotionally naked. So it's the power of vulnerability. And, and so, you know, if you're in our age bracket, you probably learned that vulnerability is weakness, but actually vulnerability is your greatest strength because it's how it rapport is built. Again, loyalty comes from the bond people have with you. How do you get people to bond with you? Not by being better than them, but by showing them that you have struggled, that you do struggle. And by actually revealing that in the moment. So when you say to your team, listen, I'm struggling with this right now, but here's what I'm doing about it. So it's not about emotionally vomiting and just, oh my God, my life's falling. No, no. It's about here's what I'm going through. It's a real struggle. Here's what I'm doing about it. So you're showing us, yes, I'm vulnerable, and yes, I'm I'm willing to ask for help. I'm getting the help and I'm on a path that leads them to go, okay, in my life. What am I struggling with? Am I taking action? Am I being honest about it? And am I asking for help? Do I have the courage to do that? Because if Jeff can do it and look at him and how successful he is, if he can do it, I can certainly do it. Okay. I can do that.
1: The empathy and making an emotional connection. Is that the big
2: portion of it? It it is empathy. But again, I think that empathy is misunderstood a lot of the time. So when when we talk about empathy, you you can't make up empathy. People try to make up empathy. So Mm. they try to make up empathy by going, oh, yeah, well, you know, my son went through this. No, here's how empathy starts. Listen, Listen. actually Listen. listen. Don't listen for how you can tell them about your story. That's not empathy. You have to have, first and foremost, the ability to listen. Two ears, one mouth. Just listen. And then go, what's that like? Before you jump in with your story, what's that like for you? Tell me a bit more about that. And then they will really start to open until your three or four questions into the depth for them don't even offer anything about you, and you may never even have to. But if you do, you go into it, but not too deeply. Let them re inquire with you. Now you create rapport. When I talked at the UN about the radicalization of the extreme right, one of the things we talked about is there is no de-radicalization language. The de-radicalization language is rapport. How do you build rapport? How do you connect with another human being at a deeply emotional level that allows them to have a sense that you get them at the emotional source code level?
1: Great insight right there. Listening. I think that's the biggest, that is the biggest leadership trait that most people can have in order to be a great leader. So hey, listen, Dove. we got a couple minutes left here. You've written some best-selling books, have one of the top podcasts on C-Suite Radio. You're spoken on stages around the world. How important is content to your business?
2: I am a little bit of a content machine.
1: <laughs> well, as you you know. have to be. I mean, you have to be today to be successful, right?
2: You know, it's, it's interesting because you know, I remember seeing Gary Vaynerchuk on your stage when we were in Dallas together Yeah, uh, and, and Gary was, you know, sort of emerging onto the world, talking about content. And I am kind of, I, I love Gary. Let me say that upfront. Love Gary. Love what Gary does but what Gary does works for Gary. And I think it's very important to recognize that you're not Gary. If you're trying to put out a hundred pieces of content a day, you're going to just burn. There's nothing else to it. And you're going to become much of a muchness. It's better for you to put out less content that is very specifically on your nail, meaning absolutely on target. That's more important than the content. So better to do one piece a hundred times than a hundred new pieces that are all over the place and scattered. That, for me, is what it's really about. Nail in on what is it specifically that you offer that's so unique that no one else does it. I know no one else in the world. I'm speaking to neuroscientists. I was speaking to, to a team of them yesterday who were asking me about emotional source code. You've got to actually become that good at what it is you do, and you're not going to get there reading two books. You have to immerse yourself. You have to become deeply curious about your own subject. When you dive into that, that's when everything changes.
1: Own the category, whatever the category is, if you can own it. Is there any type of content you'd like to try or an area you'd think you're missing out on?
2: Yeah, movies. And uh, right no. now I just signed a deal to making a documentary about me and Emotional Source Code and how that came about. And that was an area I've not done. Music was before that, and I made a CD and I created a music album. So, yeah, that's the one.
1: Do you find that stuff fun or do, you, or do you find it a little scary when you do that, when you put yourself out on the edge like that?
2: I find it totally scary until I'm doing it. Then it's totally fun. Yeah, huh.
1: yeah. yeah. And then once you're in it, you're in it, right?
2: Once I'm in it, it's kind of, I'm always like, well, what the heck was I afraid of? Because I'm not afraid of failure. Nobody's really afraid of failure. What we're afraid of is rejection. We're afraid of people not mm. liking what we do or giving us, you know, and so, you know, let's face it. We're all yeah. addicts and we all love to get the applause and, oh, you're so wonderful. And, you know, so therefore the opposite kind of sucks. Uh, so when people say, you know, embrace failure, failure sucks. Nobody likes <laughs> failure. Stop bullshitting. We like people. to win. We like to we like win. to win, right? So yeah. let's just tell the truth. Failure kind of sucks and that's okay. Once you get that it's okay, then you go, okay, it kind of sucks. It's going to sting. I'm not going to feel good about it. But now what did I learn and how can I adjust my? my trajectory, that's vastly different.
1: Fantastic. Well, Dove, I wish we had more time, but we run out of time. Thanks for joining us. I can't wait to have you back right here on All Business with Jeffrey it And don't forget, catch Dove's podcast right here on C-Suite Radio, or wherever you listen to a podcast, make sure you look up Dove Barron. You're going to want to listen to that podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you. It was an honor and pleasure.
1: Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. i tell you what I learned ask holes. (laughs) I didn't say the other word. I said, ask holes. These are people who just want to hear affirmation or some kind of pat in the back for what they believe in. And they really aren't open to listen. And that's what he talked about was curiosity and how great leaders listen. Are you a great leader? Are you listening? All right. That's what you need to be doing in your business every single day. That's what I was reminded of and learned about more today is don't be an ask hole, okay? Be a great listener and be a great leader. And that's what you find out about right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett with C-Suite Radio. Don't forget...